keep on pressing on. Turn to someone to your left or to your right. Tell them, keep on pressing on. And, and you got to be careful because I said, and when I, when I initially said it, I said, keep on pressing on. But really, that's not how you say it. You know what I'm saying? Keep on pressing on. You got to put some, you got to put a little English on, a little, 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 you know, spin on that bad boy because <clears throat> this is real stuff and this is where we live. Keep on pressing on, all right? So if you haven't, t- if you told everybody around you just one more time, so keep on pressing on. <coughs> you ever um, 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 think about, you ever think about Olympic athletes, um, what amazing people they are, right? Um, because of the concentration, right? Because of the dedication, because of the focus. And, and that's what's, what's needed to make it into the Olympics. And uh, so these athletes train and work hard every day for literally years, right? In order to get to this one place of competition. And uh, any championship athlete that could be set up as well. And uh, many other professions in life as well. Determination and focus are necessary for us to reach our highest goals. Would you agree to that? And what is true in many areas of life is also true in our most important pursuit in life, and that is our pursuit for a vital relationship with our Creator, with God. And so in the text that we're looking at this morning, Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14, uh, Paul is letting us know, the Apostle Paul is letting us know that in order for us to grow as Christians, we must be focused and determined. Uh, we won't grow if we don't work at growth. And salvation is by uh, grace alone through faith, but growth requires that we work with God. In verse 10 of Philippians 3, this is what Paul writes. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now, I know those words may seem a little lofty, maybe a little inaccessible to you at first read, but Paul is essentially saying this. He says, I want to know Christ in a personal and practical way. He says, I want to begin to experience the power, the freedom, and the joy that comes when we live in the light of the resurrection. I want to have the attitude that Jesus had when facing difficult times in life. I want to know that sense of peace that transcends the world. Paul is saying, I want to live now as a person who attains the resurrection of the dead on this side of the grave. And so these are Paul's goals. In verses 12 through 14, Paul gives us some guidelines, and that's where we want to camp out this morning. He gives us some guidelines as to how we can focus on our spiritual growth. And this is what he writes. He says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let me give you a few things that that our text is saying to us this morning. Number one, realize that God has a goal 
for our lives. Realize that God has a goal for our lives. Paul says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Did you hear that? I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. The, the words I want you to notice are the words, that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul understood that the Lord had taken hold of his life with a goal in mind. And that's true for all of us. Romans 8.28 is a verse that many of us know by heart, but verse 29 that follows is a little less well-known. And there in Romans 8, chapter, verse 28 and 29, Paul writes this. He says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Then verse 29, he says, For those God <clears throat> foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Do you see God's purpose in calling us? He wants us to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. To say it more plainly, he wants us to become more and more like Jesus. God's desire is that we grow to be like Christ. Now, why, why is this important? It's important for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's important to realize that God's goal is not just to get us into the door. He's not looking to merely save us and get us into heaven, but he's actually working to transform us. The Christian is the one who is always moving toward Christ-likeness. We should always be making progress toward holiness, being more and more like Jesus. But secondly, it's important to realize this, that God has a job for us to do. He's called us to something. We're a part of God's plan, and God does have a plan for your life, and His plan, His plan will lead you to joy, to fulfillment, to contentment, to eternal blessing. So realize that God has a goal for our lives. Amen? Amen. Number two, recognize that we have not arrived. Any of y'all here this morning can say, I've arrived, I've made it. I want to see you after, after the service. I want you to tell me how you did it. There are, there are a few musicians in the house this morning, and I always relate this story. As I was a young, and I was in high school, and I was pretty serious about my craft as a, as, as, as a keyboard player. And uh, I had another friend. His name was Daryl Long. And Daryl kind of played at the piano a little bit uh, and sung a little bit. And uh, his sister was a, a really a, a great singer and pianist. But Daryl just kind of, you know, you know those guys, right? They kind of, you know. But one day I said something about, I was talking about, you know, what we were going to do post-high school. And I was talking about taking, you know, pursuing some more musical training and education and Daryl shockingly said this to me with a straight face. And he was serious as a heart attack. He said, well, I, I don't know. I, I, I finished music. <laughs> he said, I, I, it, here at you know, Gardena High, I've taken all the class, all the music classes I take. I've finished. There's nothing, nothing else for me to do. I, I just showed my mouth. I didn't say nothing. <laughs> uh, 
because I, I later realized um, before you finish music, music will finish you. I mean, it's 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 a you know it's it's a vast it's a vast field. It's a it's a huge thing. There's so many different genres and so many different facets and so many different things to know and to learn. You, it's like, and that's certainly way, the way it is with, our, with regard to knowing Christ and knowing the, the Word of God and knowing knowing uh, knowing, knowing about spiritual things, <clears throat> but but. None of us can say, I've finished the faith. I've got, I, I, I know the Bible. I've got, a, I've, got I, I've got, done everything in God. I've done everything in Jesus I know to do. Paul recognizes that, 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 that God has, yes, an awesome purpose for his life, but he realizes that he has not yet arrived at that purpose. Paul knows that he's not what he should be. He said, I may not been, be what I used to be, but I'm not what I should be. And he's aware of his faults and the areas in his life where he still needs to grow. And so the word for perfect here when he says, now having not been perfect, it also means mature or complete. Paul recognizes that he is not finished yet. Chuck Swindoll says it well. He says, God is seeking progress, not perfection. This thing is not about getting to a certain place where I've arrived, I've made it, I'm perfect. This thing is about always being in process, always being, always progressing, always, as we sang last week, moving forward. Hear this. Some folks get discouraged because they feel they're not progressing very rapidly. But the Christian life is a, a life of, of growth and maturity, much like life itself. And understand something, growth takes time, doesn't it? And, and, and as diligently as Paul worked at his faith, he still had not yet arrived. And so let me tell you this morning, if you're, if you're, in the, if you're on your journey, if you're in, in, in making progress, if you're in the process, don't become discouraged. Keep on moving forward. Amen, somebody. Keep pressing on because growth takes time. And we must measure ourselves by Christ. And he wants us to be pure in our actions, in our conversations, in our thinking, in our attitudes, in our relationships, he wants us to love him more than we love anything else. He wants to be in the position of influence in every part of our lives. And if you understand that standard, then you will, like Paul, understand that you're not there yet. Recognize that you've not arrived. And you can tell, tell somebody, you're not there yet, and it's okay. Turn to them and say, you're not there yet, but it's okay. Now, don't get mad because somebody told you you're not there yet. But I want to tell you, you're not. Recognize that we've not arrived. <laughs> Number three, refuse to live in the past. Now, what that doesn't mean, let's say what, let me explain what that doesn't mean before we talk about what it means. Paul tells us that if we want to be focused on our growth, we must forget the past. That's what he says. But obviously, Paul is not telling us to literally not remember anything, right? <laughs> we should remember who we were before Jesus found us. We should remember the times we have seen the faithfulness of God demonstrated in our lives. We need to remember the mistakes we've made so that we can avoid them in the future and learn the lessons we need to learn from what we've been through. And Paul is also not telling us that we don't have to fulfill the responsibilities of the past. Because if you've wronged someone, you should try to make it right. Hello. <laughs> If you've stolen from someone, you should make restitution. If you have a problem with someone, you should seek to be reconciled. And we try to think through that and about that as we, every month when we come to the Lord's table and we take communion. 
So that's when Paul says, you know, you know, when we talk about refusing to live in the past, it doesn't mean that we forget everything, but this is what it means. When, ta- when Paul talks about forgetting the past, he's telling us that we can't and must not live in the past. And I preached a message about that just a couple weeks ago. You know, tomorrow ended last night, right? But what happened in the past is in the past, and we must keep moving forward. Let me give you two reasons why we need to forget the past in that sense. Number one, we have a tendency to fixate on the past. We hold on to some bad experiences, that, and they become anchors that weigh us down, right? Uh, we, we remember a hurt that someone inflicted, and that, 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 that memory of that hurt eats us up, and we remember a time when we stumbled, when we failed, and we, would, we determined to never, then we get to the place where I'm just not, I'm going to quit trying because I just messed up several times, and, and how we deal with the painful times of the past will determine how we live in the present. And so we must learn from the pain and then move on. What God has forgiven should never be taken on as a burden again. What God has forgiven should never be taken on as a burden again. The other thing is this. We have a tendency on the other end of it to rest on the past. You know, there's some folks that have had some success or a success. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we replay the past victories and and we're content to remember that instead of continuing to push ahead. This happens to a lot of folks. Paul determined, if you read read the third chapter of uh, of Philippians, Paul gives you his autobiographical statement and he talks about the, the good, the bad, and the ugly of his past life. But he says even the good is rubbish to me in this sense because what I'm striving for and where I'm trying to go is so much beyond that. You know, we can get hung up, right? We can get hung up with the trophies on our mantle and the, the, the certificates on our wall, right? We can think, we can, you know, we, we, can, we can think we finished music, right? But, but we, we, can, we, can, we, can, we can rest on the victories of the past. And there are people that are always talking about the great times in the faith that they had in the past and the great things that God used to do. And they talk about how intimate their relationship with Jesus used to be. And it was all past tense. And so here's the thing. We must forget the past and focus on the present. Paul says, I'm not going to rest on my past accomplishments, but always look forward to what needs to be done. That's why when we do things for me, for me, okay, for me as a leader, for me as a pastor, I, I, I like, I like the, the blend of, of, of the heartfelt expressions that I've received and the stories and the good things that God has done in the past but I, I don't spend excessive time memorializing those things in the sense that I, I want, I'm concerned, I want more. I want to keep going. I want to move forward. I want, I want to see what God wants to do in the present and in the future. And so as we have celebrated over this last week, the, the, the milestone in our journey together, 28 years of me being here, uh, uh, we remember the past, right? We celebrate the past, but we dare not live in it, Right? And then number four, be intentional about growth. Be intentional about growth. Paul tells us that he presses on. It's the same word used in verse six of that chapter when Paul talked about his, his zeal with regard to his persecution of the early church. He, he, he pressed into that issue as well. It's the same kind of intensity that Paul pursues God's plan for his life. In other words, with the same intensity that he 
he pursued his former agenda with that same intensity, he pursues God's plan for his life. Now, some of you, before you became Christians, you were serious about what you were serious about, and it wasn't Jesus. He was serious about partying. He was serious about dancing. He was serious about whatever it was you did, right? And I don't even have to say it. But you, whatever you were into, what you were into it, and you were serious about it. You're serious about getting that girl or that brother. Serious. Paul was serious about, about, about his Pharisaic legalistic religion. He was, he was serious about, about the, the faith of his fathers. He was serious about his, his place on the rung of, of the hierarchy among his Jewish brethren. He was serious about his pedigree as, as a good Pharisee and a, a good Jewish kid who, who was committed to the law. He was serious about, about that to the extent that he, he went out to find these people of the way, these new people called Christians, and, and drag them into court to have them, have them tried because they were blaspheming. He, he was dead serious about that. He was driven with regard to that. He's saying, well, to the same extent, I'm driven now. I'm serious about my relationship with God. He says this, this one thing I do. He's single-minded. He's not distracted. He's clear where he is headed. Paul tells us that he's stretching forward and he's reaching for his goal and he's not only concentrating, but he's straining forward. Any of y'all know what, what that's like? Well, I, I could think about it maybe uh, at the risk of being crass. I think, you know, I, I did attend three home births and I saw, I know what straining looks like. When I, that's, uh, as I, when some of you ladies have given birth, you know that pride. That's, I don't think there's any other better analogy of straining because, you know what I'm saying? Pushing as well, right? Or maybe you're on a bench with, with, with a couple hundred pounds on a bar trying to get that last rep in. You know what I'm talking about, brothers? And you're straining. And a, Paul says, that's the way I pursue God's goal for my life. I'm straining ahead. I'm straining forward. It's, it's like running that race and you see people in the race literally leaning forward to try to beat that opponent to the finish line. And th this is the image that Paul uses with regard to his desire to grow spiritually. He's serious about it and he presses in and he's straining because it means everything in the world to him. And I fear sometimes that for us as contemporary Christians in this culture, in this society, in this day and age, that we are not as motivated and not as, as, as serious about our relationship with Jesus to where we strain ahead for that. Oh, we strain and struggle for a whole lot of stuff. And so here's the question we must all face at some point. Why is our service for Christ sometimes performed in a half-hearted manner? You see, growth will not happen if we're haphazard about our spiritual lives. This diligence that Paul is, is describing here means this. It means things like making time for God in our schedule. That's why you're here today. Some of you strained and pressed forward to get here today. You know how it is sometimes when you're trying to do the will of God, you're trying to get to church to be with God's people, and sometimes obstacles pop up and crop up and in your way, and sometimes you find yourself having to push through those things to get to where you need to be. You know what I'm talking about? It means making time for God in our schedule. It means finding time to thoughtfully read the Bible, not just perfunctorily read the Bible, but really to read the Bible. Planning for times of prayer. I'm always looking at this new year coming up. 
I got to think about what, how can I make more time in my life to spend talking to the Lord, right? Making worship and service a priority in our calendars. Do, uh, doing regular spiritual evaluation in our lives uh, regularly, right? Pushing ourselves to study and to read for growth. Daring to reach beyond, listen to this, daring to reach beyond what we're accustomed to, what is comfortable, and what is safe. And I have seen God revolutionize the lives of people that dared to push beyond what was comfortable, what was safe, what they had felt was reasonable, and what they were accustomed to. To try something new, to go further in, to press harder, to strain a little bit more, to, towards the goal of knowing Christ a little bit better. There's a story uh, uh, that this coach, well, actually, there was a coach that lived by this creed that he had come upon that was written by former President Calvin Coolidge. And this is what Calvin Coolidge once wrote. Press on. Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are important. Keep on pressing on. Number four. Number five, actually. Keep your eye on the prize. Paul is telling us that he must always keep his eyes on the prize. Like that Olympic athlete who trains tirelessly for a gold medal at the Olympics. When they get tired, they imagine what it will be like to stand on the platform and hear the national anthem of their country being played. And that, it is that, that picture that, that, that spurs them on, that moves them along. Now, years ago, a young African-American child was growing up in Cleveland in a home which he later described as materially poor but spiritually rich. One day, a famous athlete, Charlie Paddock, came to his school to speak to the students. At the time, Paddock was considered the fastest human being alive, and he told the children, listen, what do you want to be? You name it and then believe God will help you to be it. The little boy decided he too wanted to be the fastest human being on earth. The boy went to his track coach and told him of his new dream. The coach told him, it's great to have a dream, but to attain your dream, you must build a ladder to it. He says, here's the ladder to your dreams. The first rung is determination, and the second rung is dedication. The third rung is discipline, and the fourth rung is attitude. And the result of all that motivation was that that young man went on to win four gold medals in the 1936 Berlin Olympics. He won the 100-meter dash and broke the Olympic and world records for the 200-meter. His broad jump lasted for 20, record lasted for 24 years. His name, Jesse Owens. Amen. So what is the prize that would, might push us along? What, what image should we keep in the forefront of, of, of our minds? Let me suggest a few to you. How about the image of you standing before your heavenly Father to hear the words, well done, 
How about being able to look back upon your life at a given point or having your life reviewed without any sense of regret or guilt or shame? What about the prospect of being surrounded by those who, who, who have been redeemed partially because of your faithful witness, because of your influence? What about having someone say in your eulogy when you've, when, you, when you've passed on from this life that you were consistent and faithful? Wouldn't it be nice when you come to that point? You won't be there to know about it, but wouldn't it be something to think about? What I would want my legacy to be is for people to, 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 to say something about me that I was about me being consistent and faithful and not have to hunt for words. I've been to some services and you could tell they were trying to make it up. Yeah, he was, uh, he was, uh, uh, he was something. He, he was, he was, he was a real deal. Uh, uh, he was a rascal. Uh, 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 you know, uh, we're here today, you know, because of him, because he, because he's here. He was something. <laughs> Don't, wouldn't you want the word spoke over you in that moment to be something? Wouldn't you want to have a legacy of, of, of faithfulness and consistency and character and, and positive influence over the lives of people in your life around you, your family, your friends, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren? Think about that. Or here's the, here's the one that I think this picture can, can pull us on and, and, and motivate us to run this race and to, and to strain forward. And that is the joy of the first moment that we see Jesus face to face. That is the, the blessed hope of all Christians, of all believers, that one day we will see him. And so, what does all this mean practically for, for us as a church, for instance? Number one, as we, again, we just came through another year of ministry, that we should be grateful for the growth and blessings that we've seen, and, but that we're always looking for new opportunities to minister and new ways to grow. It means that we constantly evaluate our ministries and we eliminate those that have served their purpose and we develop uh, new ones to meet the needs around us. It means that we should always be on our guard lest we value our traditions and the way we do things so much that they become an obstacle to our growth and development. And the question should always be, is this something that will further the kingdom of God rather than is this the way way we've always done it? And we must remember that our goal as a church is not a particular uh, attendance figure. Our goal is to honor and glorify Christ in all that we do. And when we pursue, pursue that goal, we will accomplish our purpose. We'll see what numerical growth that God has for us. But the numbers are not our goal. They're just a measurement. We could, we could get numbers, but we don't, you know, want numbers for the sake of numbers. We want a relationship with Christ. We want to fulfill God's purpose for this house as a local church. For us as individuals. Now, and uh, today is the 1st of December. In 31 days, will be the 1st of January. And uh, you know what's going to happen. Many of you are going to make resolutions. Uh, and you're going to say, you know what, on January, January 1st, I'm going to go on the, the whatever, you take your pick, you take a list of 150 different diets. I'm going to go on the so-and-so diet. I'm going to go on the kiwi banana cantaloupe diet. <laughs> you know. And, and I'm going to lose. I'm gonna, that one don't work? You tried it. I just made it up. 
And I'm going to lose 50 pounds by, I'm going to lose 75 pounds by Easter's. <laughs> or, you know, I'm going I'm to join the gym. <laughs> I, 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 people are funny at the gym, aren't they? A lot of folks, they spend more time just, like, this, 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 I'm glad they go, but some of the old guys at my gym, they just like, sit around and talk. They, <laughs> and they sit on the machines. It's like, dude, somebody will, I'm, I'm up here, I got, you know, they're just hanging out, you know. Uh, are, they, are they on, a tri- on, the, on the, the, the thing going real slow, you know, you know. And so, you know, you join, you know, and they got you in a contract, and they're hitting your account for that money every week, right? And you go, January, the first week of January, you go like three, four days a week. Second week in January, we go two, three days a week. Third week in January, one, two days a week. By the fourth, last week in January, well, we go, I got to get in here for the month over one more time. Then by February, you know, it, it's raining out there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't, I, I can't, you know. And it's like, and then you're mad because they got your money, but you, and you say, oh, I'm going to remember 24-hour fitness. You ever go, no, but I'm a member. <laughs> People start diet, they start exercising, and you know folks just don't follow through. <clears throat> How many books have you started to read that you never finished? <clears throat> uh, there are people that you be, have begun, they begin training in a, get, in a certain area for something, and when it gets hard, what do they do? They give up, right? <laughs> people get married, and they, they want to find it out when it gets difficult, right? <clears throat> and some folks are fascinated by Jesus for a while, and then get bored and move on to something else that will excite them for a, a, another Time, period of time. Here's the question. Are you like this? Is your faith superficial? Are you a, a temporary follower? Are you, commit, are you committed to Christ? Because here's the deal. The person who gives up misses out on the benefit that comes from hard work. It's true in life in general, but it's also true in the Christian faith. So what is the one thing you're for? Are you focused on stuff? Are you merely focused on paying the bills, gaining power and prestige, having temporary experiences of enjoyment? Don't you want more from life than that? Set your sights higher. Do what Paul does. Keep on pressing for the prize. Keep on pressing to know Jesus better. Jesus tells us that when we seek first the kingdom of God, that all the other things that we're concerned about, they'll take care of themselves. And, and here's the deal. Some of you are near the finish line. Some of us are, are a, little, <clears throat> a, little, a little bit further along in life than others, and we're closer to the finish line than, 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 than the teenagers are. You, maybe our earthly time is, we can see, you know, you, you get a little, get all Martin Luther King is showing me, I, I, I've been to the mountaintop. I saw over into Jordan or something, you know. Uh, but here's the thing. Don't start coasting now. I want to say to people, of, to Christians of all ages, of every decade, of every generation, from, 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 from 1 to 92, if you will, though it's been said many times, many ways, uh, now is the time to put in that last push. Now is the time to kick so that you can finish strong. You know, there's some of you that are just getting started. Don't give up because it's difficult. Keep working. Be patient. Growth takes time. And others are right in the heat of the race in the middle. Don't let down. Don't give up. Don't quit. 
keep pushing. I know that this life gets hard at times. I know that the Christian life is exhausting at times. But what you do is you focus on the goal and you strive to finish well. Keep on pressing on. Grace Chapel, Paul is encouraging us to be more than just names on a church roll. Keep on pressing on. He doesn't want us to merely call ourselves Christians or think of ourselves as Christians. He wants us to know Christ and to be real followers of Jesus. Keep on pressing on. So I don't know about you, but that's what I intend to do. That's what I intend to do going forward in my life. I, I, I have not come this far to, to quit. In the words of one songwriter, I don't feel no ways tired. Amen. I've come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy, but I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. Keep on pressing on. Amen.